Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. The rest of us, let's go ahead and take our Bibles and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 7 or 8. 1 through 7. Uh, it's just it's the passage I just read to you just a second ago. Uh, that is the key passage, the focus of our text this morning. There is a theme that comes up throughout the books of wisdom. You might see it in Proverbs, and we see it now again in the book of Ecclesiastes. Right in the middle, fear God. I remember as clear as day, one of the first times Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 was read to me. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 tells us that the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1 7 says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or understanding. The first time I heard that verse read was from a little Bible like this. You may recognize it as a Gideon Bible. It has the New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs. I was just telling this story not long ago that the summer after my junior year in college, we were doing some inner city ministry, and part of that involved living in the place where which we were doing ministry in downtown Jackson, Mississippi. The first week that I was in that apartment complex, it was a downtown four or five story high apartment complex. Me and a friend had a little efficiency apartment that we lived in for the few months of that summer. We had some leftover Chick-fil-A sandwiches because after any good church event in the Bible Belt, especially in Mississippi, of course you have a ton of Chick-fil-A sandwiches left over. That's just how it works. And so we had a bunch of those sandwiches left over, so we went door to door to our neighbors knocking, and we knocked on one door, and this one door opened, and a chain was pulled tight after you heard all of the locks undone. The door was open, the chain was pulled tight as can be, and there was this wide-eyed guy that opened the door and said, can I help you? And we just said, we have a chicken sandwich for you, and can we pray for you? He took the sandwich and shut the door. We figured that was all there was going to be for that day, but he opened the door, and there he let us in. It turned out this gentleman was a Vietnam veteran. When we walked in the door, he walked us through his kitchen and stabbed a knife that was about this long into the middle of his wooden kitchen table. He had had it behind the door, I guess, if we were a threat. No wonder my parents were probably worried that I was living in downtown Jackson, Mississippi. He walked us to his sofa and sat down and began talking to us and telling us ways that we could pray for him. One point during this interaction, he took his, shoe, his foot out of his shoe, lifted up a bandaged foot, and asked us, and I quote, is it leaking? I'm not sure what I've done it was, if it was leaking, but I praise God that that night that his bandage was not leaking, and we had nothing to do with that. After that, he pulled out his cane. Turned out it was one of those sword canes, so he pulled out this big sword. So now I'm thinking the knife has been stabbed into the table. Maybe he's about to pin me to the sofa. I have no idea. And so after the interaction, we began talking to him, asking him if he knew the Lord. And he said, he opened one of these little Gideon Bibles and underlined in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, what gave him focus, what got him through those horrible days as he served in Vietnam was fearing the Lord. 
what set his mind, these are my words now, I'm kind of putting words to what he was describing to us that day as it brings light to our text this morning. What gave him focus, what gave him vision, what gave him hope in those trying times was the word of the Lord, particularly that phrase, fear the Lord. And that's the beginning of understanding. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 is picking up that same truth in another book of wisdom as Ecclesiastes is. How do we remain wise? How do we gain understanding as we live life in a very confusing existence, often exhausting existence under the sun that we wonder why do things happen as they, as they do? And again, we are told the truth, you must fear God. That true wisdom lies in that truth if we're to have any understanding and any focus. Do you hear what the preacher, the writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon I believe to be, says in this verse? Look at the, at the beginning of it. He says, guard your steps when you go into the house of God. And at the end of these verses, he says this, for the one, and we'll make sense of all this in, in a second, but, but look at verse 7. For when the dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. Or simply translated, but fear God. That's your hope. That's where focus lies. And what is he talking about here as he says, as guard your steps as you go into the house of God, particularly what he was is he talking about, particularly what he has in focus, particularly what I want to bring in focus for us this morning is worship. He's saying worship. That, that's how you gain focus. Fear of the Lord means you, you worship the Lord. He is the one who has worth. He is the one who has weight. He is one who has supreme importance in your life. That's what it means to fear the Lord. And it, and it may seem kind of strange that, that here in this middle of the book, as we've been going through vanity and toil and, and all of this striving after the wind and all of these difficulties that this this preacher is trying to make sense. Why is he talking about, about worship now? It's becoming clear. Because worship is the answer. Worship is the answer of, a, of our lives starting to make sense. Worship is the answer of us getting our eyes on Christ. Because brothers and sisters, the, the truth of the matter is that you are made to worship. By nature, you are made By God, you are his creation made in Christ Jesus. You are a worshiper. That's what you are wired to do. It's it's Adam and Eve. It's it's the fall. It's what we are infected with with sin. It's because of sin that we worship other things. We don't fear God. We we fear other things. And that that which we fear is what we will worship. And the Bible tells us that we will become what we worship. The Bible tells us that in Psalms. And so understand what the preacher is. If you want, money's not alive. Fame's not alive. All of these things are dead. All of these pass away. All of these things will, 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 will turn to nothing. If you want to be brought to nothing, worship those things. And so here in the middle of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, the preacher is saying, how's your worship? What are you worshiping? Let's take this a little bit farther. Here's what I want to get across. Worship is not an escape from reality. Worship is not an escape from reality. 
Worship is not entering into this dream world where you deny what's going on out there. Worship is not an escape from reality. Rather, it reorients us to a truer and better reality. This truer and better reality that this is our Father's world. He says God is in the heavens. It's giving us a heavenly perspective. The psalmist struggles with this. The psalmist, you can read Psalm 72. He's struggling with this idea that it seems that the wicked are prospering. And he's asking, what is the point to all this? And in the middle of Psalm 72, here is what he comes to find out. Psalm 72, verse 16 and 17, I want to read it to you. He says that when I thought how to understand this, all the vanity in the world... Where it seems the wicked are prosperous. It seems like evil is getting away with everything. All of the confusion. When I sought to understand this, when I sought to gain focus, just like my friend Chris and the Vietnam veteran who pulled out his Bible, when he sought to gain focus and understanding, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Verse 17. Until I went to the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Do you hear that? Until I worshiped, until I got myself before the Lord, until I feared the Lord and worshiped, then I began to understand what life is like under the sun. Let's say it like this worship clears our vision, fear of God helps us to wake up to see reality, and to see things as they really are. So brothers and sisters, our worship is extremely important. What we worship is extremely important. What the writer is saying in Ecclesiastes 5 is that we do not want to worship like a fool. We don't want our worship to be foolish, for they don't know what they're doing is evil. We don't want to be living, as we're going to explain here in a minute, we don't want to be living in this dream world. This world where we're we're trying to make sense of it all and we're trying to make sense of reality. And so we're trying to do it through work, through wealth and pleasure and all of these things and none of it is paying off. We don't want to live. That's the dream world. The nightmare world. The world that is not real. The writer in Ecclesiastes 5, he wants to wake us up from this dreaming and saying, here is reality. Worship helps us to stop dreaming and reorients us to reality. So we need to understand this morning, how do we not worship like a fool? Because I want my vision to be clear. I want to be focused on what's going on. I want to go to the sanctuary of the Lord and fear the Lord that I might have hope as we walk through this weary land. Anybody want that? Amen. We desire that. We want that. God, give us the desire for that. Point number one. There's about six points that I just mentioned, but in big headings. Point number one. True worship listens. True worships listens. If we are to be true worshipers who fear God, we must be people who prioritize listening. Do you see what the Bible says about foolish worship? Let's go ahead and read it again. Guard your steps. Verse 1 of chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes. When you go to the house of God, to draw near to listen. Do you see it there? That's maybe a word you want to underline. Draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For 
They do not know that they are doing evil. They are living in this dream. They're living in this false reality. It's charaded and facaded in worship. It looks holy on the outside. It looks religious on the outside, but they are not living in reality. They're going to the temple. They're going to worship. They're showing up, but they're not listening. Listen to the fool. Be not rash with your mouth. So let's say the negative first. What does it mean to worship foolishly? What does it mean to to not listen? It means that we are rash with our mouths. We're reckless with the words that come out of our mouth. I find in my own life that the times when I'm not fearing the Lord, when I'm not trusting the Lord, are those times when I'm most enraged. Have you ever been rash and reckless with your words? It's those moments and those situations that you're not trusting that God has you in that moment, in that place for a particular reason, and you get so ticked off with whoever it might be that you blurt out and you're rash with your words. You're rash to brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible says that's foolish. Go to church all day long, but a fool is reckless and rash with their mouth. He goes on to say, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. So not only are we reckless and rash with our words, the Bible says that foolish worship are also people who are not listening. They're quick to speak. They are hasty with their words. That we're very quick to speak. Then he keeps going. Not only are they rash with their mouths, not only are they quick and hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. The fool has many words. They're constantly talking. They just don't, they just can't stop and listen because they got to say something. I love it how this pastor who is a church planner in Tallahassee, Florida, I think the church is called City Church. His name is Dean and Sarah. And he has this thing that he's done with this church. I've mentioned it to you before, I think, in family meetings years ago. And I, I, I love the, the heart of this. They have a double promise at their church that when they invite friends to church, they neither give a disclaimer on the way there or an apology on the way home. In other words, they don't want people to be quick to speak. They want those they invite to church to be able to stop and listen to hear from the Lord. They don't say a disclaimer. The, the, the pastor might say something offensive. They want them to hear from the Lord. They don't give an apology on the way home. I'm sorry he was so bold or said that in that way. I know that goes against what you... They want people to hear from the Lord. And the Lord has blessed that work. I wonder if that's the same for us, that we're so quick to talk to God. We're so quick to say things that we don't stop and listen. And we don't allow other people to stop and listen and to hear from the Lord. True worshipers... Listen. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 19, I want to read this verse to you as well. You can write this down, just listen down, and maybe go read it later. James chapter 1, verse 19, true worshipers, listen. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear. Quick to hear. Some of us struggle with this. Our words are coming out of our mouth faster than we think, and that causes a lot of problems with people, and it causes a lot of problems with our relationship with God. Let every person be, every person, every person, be quick to hear, 
slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So do you see what James, the brother of Jesus, is doing? That Listen. Put yourself in a posture. Do you say, listen, quick to hear, slow to speak, and receive the implanted word. It's the Shema in Deuteronomy. This was the, the center of what the people of God believed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And tell this truth for generations to come that the Lord your God is one. It's called the Shema. Do you know what Shema means? Hear. Hear. Worshippers. People who love the Lord, they need to hear, they need to receive this truth. Hear, listen, O Israel, that the Lord your God is one. And this idea of hearing, of listening, receiving, by the way, faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of Christ. This is crucial to the spread of the gospel. This is crucial to worship. This is what we're doing right now. We're listening to the word of God being preached and explained. We're receivers. But to be listeners, it's not just a matter of our eardrums doing whatever they do to receive the word and to actually hear it. This idea of hear, O Israel, listen, receive the word. James goes on to say, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Hear, O Israel, don't just hear it, but believe it, live it, and pass it on from generation to the next. So if we are to truly fear God, if we are truly to be worshipers who are not worshiping as fools, we will be quick to listen. Listen to what? The truth of the scripture. Hear, O Israel, you serve the one true God. Hear, O people of God, of your glorious God. And fear him, worship him, listen to him, obey him. What he says, do it. Because what you are listening to, hear me here, what you are listening to, here's how you identify that. What are you doing? What are you obeying? That shows where the word the fear of God is in your life. The world, have you figured this out? Is very difficult to read. Like Psalm 72, like Ecclesiastes 1 through 4, what in the world is going on? I don't get it. But we can read the word, receive the word, hear the word, listen to the word. Faith comes through hearing and all of a sudden our life begins to take focus that we've longed for. True worshipers listen. So let me ask you this question. As I said, what we listen to reveals what we worship. Listen means to obey. What are you listening to? What do you hear and immediately obey and go running towards? There are a lot of voices screaming. There are a lot of ways that we can worship. There's a lot of things that we can worship. You are a worshiper. You're worshiping something or someone. There's all sorts of things screaming loud at us. Do you listen? Do you worship to what others say about you? 
Do you listen? Do you worship? Do you fear, most of all, what you say about yourself? Do you listen? Do you obey your finances, your money? That's what Solomon said. I've been obeying these things. They're not paying off. I've been obeying pleasure. I've been obeying money. I've been obeying experience. I've been obeying the house and the plants and everything else that I've, I've, I've obeyed it all. It's, not, it's left me more confused. What are you listening to? What's your life running after? What are you following? That's what you're listening. That's the voice you're hearing and running after. Do you listen to the culture? Do you fear the culture above all? And you're running after the culture. I want to be like that. That's what you fear if that's what you find your life running after. That's what you obey. That's the word you're receiving and hearing and obeying. Do you listen to your political affiliation above all? Do you listen to your sensitivities above all? What we listen to is evident in what we obey and we will become what we worship. What are you listening to? What voice do you hear and go running? That's what you're worshiping. I love how David Gibson said, I I recommended this book last week. You'll find plenty of quotes from the sermon in that book, David Gibson, Living Life Backwards. I love the quote he had in one of the chapters this week that I read. He says, we become more human when we are what we receive. You hear what he's saying there? When we receive the word, when we hear the word, when we fear the Lord and obey the word, that's how it shows what you fear, it's what you obey, what you're listening to. Are you a listener, a doer, obeyer, trusting the Lord, following him with all your life? And that shows what you're worshiping. What you receive, when you receive your identity is what he's saying. From something outside yourself, something outside of the world. When you receive your identity from Christ is what he's saying. That's when you become most alive and most human. That's when you leave the dream world and step into the reality that begins to make sense of it all. True worshipers listen. Number two, true worshipers are sincere. Let's keep reading. Not only do they listen, but they are sincere in what they say when they pray and when they make promises to the Lord. So we we primarily hear that we're talking to the Lord, praying to the Lord, making promises to the Lord. God, you said I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. True worshipers are sincere when they do speak. Verse 4. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than you would vow and not pay. Let, your, let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear." And we really have to go a few verses above that when I missed that when I was reading that a second ago. That be not rash with your mouth. Let your words be few when you come before God in prayer. So, so here's what I want you to see. Here, here's what the, the Lord was showing me in this, in this passage this week. That not only are we listeners, but we are sincere. 
when we pray. Jesus was clear about this in Matthew chapter 6, that we are not to be like the Pharisees and we're not to be like the hypocrites who make much of what they say, thinking that living in this dream world, even this religious dream world, that if I say enough words, if I do the right things, then the Lord must respond in this way. He said, it doesn't work like that. That's not fear of the Lord. That's fearing yourself, fearing other things and treating God like he's a lucky rabbit foot. If you just come to him at the right time with the right words, then he has to do what you've asked him to do. And really at that point, you don't want God. You want the thing that you think God can give you. So you're really worshiping the thing and not God. Does that make sense? Anybody been there before? God, I want this. Won't you give it to me? Because I really want this. I don't want you. I just want you to give me what I'm really worshiping. See, that's not true worship. That's not sincere words because you are not fearing God. You are fearing something else. And Jesus was clear about that in Matthew chapter 6. Not only are we to be sincere in our prayers, praying to the Lord that, Lord, I want you. I want you to show me what I, I fear you above all. We are sincere in our promises. Did you hear what he said? Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4 through 7. When you make vows before God... Be sincere about those. Don't just tell God you're going to do something and did not do it and then say, that was a mistake, my bad, messenger. I really didn't mean that. I was just trying to say it in the moment because I thought it sounded good. Anybody do that before? I'm guilty of that. We make these promises, these insincere promises to God. And it turns out that these vows that we've made in worship as we offer our lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing and acceptable to him, which is our spiritual act of worship as we listen to him, trust him, obey him, fear him, and follow him. There are these times when we realize that following him will be expensive, it will cost us something, it will be inconvenient. And so we make promises, and then we make excuses of why we could not follow through with those promises. Have you done that before? We make vows to the Lord with the best of intentions. Perhaps it's to serve him in a particular way. Perhaps it's to go to corporate worship on a regular basis. Perhaps it's to raise our kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Perhaps it's to share the gospel with a neighbor or coworker or family or friend that the Lord has been calling you to do. And you say, Lord, I'm going to do that today. But when the time comes, when he gives you the moment, you say, my bad, that's too costly. That's going, to cost, that's going to cost me something. So I'm just not going to do it. And here the preacher says that leaves our life to sin and causes more confusion, more lack of clarity in our lives. So brothers and sisters, he's getting after our hearts here. He's getting after worship here. Are you, are you listening? Are you sincere? And the vows that you make to the Lord, the promises that you make to the Lord, Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, we've prayed through it this morning. I quoted it just a second ago. Are we sincere in our words, and our prayers, in the promises that we make? Are we sincere in all of our lives? My final point, true worshipers listen. True worshipers are sincere. True worshipers see clearly. It was Karl Marx who famously said that religion is the opiate of the people. What was he saying? It puts us into this dream world, this alternate reality that just helps us kind of deal with the pain until the pain of living is gone. 
from what this writer of Ecclesiastes said, in one sense, he may be right. Religion, false religion, insincere religion could be that. Do you see what he says? Do you see what the writer says in verse 3? Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. And then he says in verse 7, for when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. So he's saying, yes, even in the facade, even in the shred of wisdom, of, 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 um, even in the shred of religion, we might try to be covering the pain of this world just as we do through wealth and everything else. But true worship that fears God, that trusts Him, that obeys Him, that listens to Him is nothing like this. This is not the opiate of the people. This is more like the smelling salts that wake us up to the reality. This is like the smelling salts that football players smell. I guess they still do this after they've took one too many hits to the head and they just can't make sense of what's going on. And so the you smell kind of wakes you up. This is what the Lord's doing. Until I went to the sanctuary of the Lord, then I discerned therein. Now I have perspective of what's going on in this world. Now I understand that my place in this world is to be a worshiper of the Lord and to obey him. And when I step into that reality by the grace of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Spirit, for the glory of God, by Christ and Christ alone, I'm raised to new life. I'm born again. I become a worshiper of the one true living God. Then I understand what God is doing. And then I have hope that he's coming back and making all things new. And then I can live in a way that is pleasing to him. Do you remember the story of Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles chapter 20? It's a pretty famous passage. Jehoshaphat and the people of God are about to be run over by some enemies. And they're overwhelmed. The Moabites, Ammonites, and all sorts of people come against them. And the men come and tell Jehoshaphat that a great multitude is coming. And basically they say, you ain't got a shot. Do you remember how Jehoshaphat re- responded? He prayed, he worshiped, and he said at the end of his worship, he said this famous line that we quote often, he says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. He worshiped, he feared God, he was slow to speak, quick to, we got to get in the sanctuary. And he calls all the people, let's go worship, let's go hear from the Lord, So that we will know what to do because we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on the Lord. We will worship and that will help us make sense of it all. Do you consider public worship like that at all? Let's be honest with ourselves. That we're gathered here this morning. We want to make sense of this because life last week, it stunk at times. It was hard. I didn't understand it. But let's go to the sanctuary together. Let's fear the Lord. Let's hear from him that we might make sense of this and live for his glory more this week than we did the last Imagine if we came here every Sunday like that. We'd probably blow the roof off this place, singing, worshiping. We'd probably invite friends. Life is making sense as I'm come worship. Just a thought. Then he prays and he listens and he hears from the Lord. The Lord says, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed at the great horde, the great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but the battle is God's. What a great promise we hear as we fear the Lord, 
as we listen to him, as we get before our as we worship him. I fear the Lord, I trust him, the battle is his. He's good to me, he's gracious to me, he has saved me, he has sent a son for me. So I will trust him, I will follow him all the days of my life. Brothers and sisters, how is your worship? So the degree to which we worship is the degree to which we will begin to understand this life under the sun. Are you listening? Are you dreaming? Are you living in this false reality, covering it with all sorts of vanity? Are you trying to cover this reality with mere religion and not actually following the Lord? May the Lord wake us up that we might arise as worshipers and fear the Lord in all of our lives for all of our days. Let's pray. Father.